Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and president of Canacuck Camps, Joe White. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you, Shay. Thank you. I love doing this. Glad to be alive. Today, we're talking about marriage, specifically a love that laughs. Uh, speaking of a love that laughs, I want to reminisce with you, Joe. Um, <laughs> my first date, I made a move on Ashley, asked her on a date, and uh, I, I just figured I better come out the gate swinging because she was... If I was to catch her, she would be quite a catch. Um, and and so I planned a three-phase date. I remember the first, when we all found The first other. phase was to take her to the Devil's Pool. It was one of my favorite restaurants, a Big Cedar. So I take her to Devil's Pool. We get there, and it's closed. It's reserved for a wedding party. And so I have to go downstairs to Buzzard's Bar, of all places, Place to so. take her on my first date. So a little adjustment there. Then phase two, phase one went quite well. Phase two, we um, drove into College of the Ozarks at the time, and we made our way down through through the campus and down a dark road and up a gravel road, and I think she's probably starting to get nervous. We're back in the woods, and then you come up a hill out of the woods, and there sits a small four-seater Cessna plane. My buddy David's sitting there, and he's going to take us for a ride. And, I mean, she was swooning. Can you imagine? Yeah. Big time. So we load up in our Cessna and we head up. It was a beautiful, clear night. We're flying around Table Rock Lake and it was it was gorgeous. And we're kind of looking out the windows, enjoying the flight. And all of a sudden, you know, we're seated pretty tightly in the back. She reaches over and she grabs my thigh. And I thought to myself, oh my. <laughs> and I look over and to my surprise, I see her breathing deeply, like breathing, controlled breathing. Um, I had swooned my my first date into nausea, and she was about ready to throw up. And so I told Dave, I'm like, you got to bring this bird down now. Bring it down. <laughs> She's done. <laughs> so we get down, and then phase three ended up, I, I had to nurse her back to health. So it was, mm. it was a little bit of a backfire. And she kept on dating. She kept. She's resilient. Yeah. She yeah. kept on trucking. Maybe. And for the young men listening out there, you got to ask for the second date before the first date ends, which I did. Mm. Especially if it's Just a little poorly. nugget there. I'm passionate about. Joe, hmm. any um, laughable right. moments with Debbie Joe over the years? I didn't know that grabbed your thigh on the day. That's shocking to me. That's right. Glad you... How many years have you been married to that incredible woman? We're working on 14. Wow. Praise well, the God. first 47 are the hardest. That's what I've heard. Okay. <laughs> you so told me after that. After that, it's... Well, yeah. So we're, we're going on 48, and, you know, it's going to be golden pretty soon. Uh, but um, but yeah, the first forty seven are definitely the hardest. Uh, forty eight has been a dream. Um, my bride and I have have had nothing but bumpy roads the whole relationship uh, because life has just been crazy. We like had four kids like that, and then we we're and then camps were springing up like mushrooms all around us, and there were you know thousands of children in and out of our lives and. We were running Young Life clubs, and my gosh, there were so many kids in those days coming to our clubs and you know Bible studies, and it's just been crazy. But but my wife is is resilient, 
you know, when they asked Bear Bryant when he was coaching uh, the Crimson Tide, they go, what kind of coach are you going to hire? He said, I'm going to hire me some guys with some tolerant wives. <laughs> wow, he knew what he was looking for. <laughs> so, yeah, my, uh, my wife, she, she's unbelievable. What she's put up with 47 years, I mean, she is she's truly a rock star. She is a rock star. That's why we call her the Queen of Canacuck. Um, today we're talking about marriage, and we brought in our local expert. He's our friend, our uh, mentor for me, uh, Pastor Ted Cunningham. He's, he's the founding pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church. He's an author, a speaker. He also headlines the Date Night Comedy Tour, um, and he's one of our most beloved family camp speakers. And, and Ted's new book, A Love That Laughs, is the inspiration for a podcast today. Ted, thanks for being here. I've been looking forward to this for a while. It's good to finally sit down on camp and... And hear the stories. I just, I just want to hear your stories today. And I knew it was less than five minutes before we got a football reference out of Joe. Less that's than why, five yeah, minutes. That's right, Coach. Say, I've, got to, I've just got to brag on Ted really quick. You know, I've been blessed to be in uh, several different churches in my lifetime. I love my church. I do, too. Woodland Hills, Teddy founded the church, and we've been going for a dozen years or so, I guess, and for Branson, you know, it just swells. It's just growing and growing and growing. And uh, but he, but he's a he's an incredible communicator. He's he's firm on the Bible. But we, you go to church and you laugh yourself into truth with Ted. He's it's an true. amazing communicator. Ted, tell us where did your passion for marriage ministry come from? Well, believe it or not, it was the first sermon I ever preached in my home church in Oswego, Illinois, uh, when. I was called to ministry under James Merritt out of Atlanta. He, he came to Liberty University my senior year. I was planning on going to law school. I took the LSAT. And uh, the first message I was ever assigned was on marriage after being married for two months. So pretty much an expert. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, everybody wants to hear from a newlywed, uh, a marriage sermon from a newlywed. And uh, I'll never forget, I preached with, it was my first sermon I ever gave. I preached with passion. And this old deacon walked up to me after the sermon, <laughs> put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, yeah, don't worry about it, son. You'll get over it. And I was like, and I looked at him and said, I hope I don't. I hope I don't. And so I went to South Georgia uh, as an associate pastor for a couple of years. And uh, it was there that, you know, I, I, I had Gary Smalley's books as textbooks at Liberty University. Gary Smalley and James Dobson were the two primary go-to guys for everything marriage and family. Mm. And so read their books, used their books in ministry. Um, I moved to Branson in 2001. So our church is 18 years old, uh, Mother's Day, and had no idea how the Lord was working it all together. But I, you know, he is the one, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord directs the steps. And to give me Joe and Gary as two mentors. Uh, you got Joe and Dr. Dobson running together all these years, and then Gary. So it was just, I know the Lord placed me right where I am, and and Gary just started pouring into me, and it just started with the, hey, uh, you know, Ted, would you read this chapter? He was writing in a book. I'd be happy to read it. And then would you edit this? Ted, would you write a pair? And that's how I just kind of got started with Gary, and then uh, when he couldn't find another speaker to take with him to a conference once in San Antonio, he goes, would you come down and do a session? And I'll never forget, there were 2,000 people in the room. I spoke my one session, and they all filled out surveys. And Gary made me sit down and go through a stack of surveys 
to become a better, it was one of the worst things I've ever done. It was the most like, I should do something else with my life. Uh, Painfully fruitful, <laughs> right? It was rough. Wow. He goes, this is going to make you better. And so anyway, walking alongside Gary all those years and just, uh, it's it's been pretty cool to watch. And, and the greatest honor I receive when I go someplace is for people to say, you know, I see Joe or I see Gary in you. I see their message continuing in you. And so these guys were just the Pauls, you know, you and I both, Shay. I mm, mean, so we're the, absolutely. the Timothys that are carrying on a message that's been given to us. So that's hey, a long story short. Hey, hey, Ted, you've never gotten over to have you. You adore your wife, don't oh, you? Oh, man. Amy and I have been married 24 years. And and it is, and I, I write about a fun marriage, how to laugh in marriage, how to enjoy marriage, because it, it truly is a an overflow of, of my life and marriage, personally. And... People always say to me, well, it's just easy because you're naturally funny. Well, I don't try to help people become comedians. I just want them to learn how to enjoy life together, something to pursue, make it a choice. It's a decision, not something you wait for, or hope for, or think an algorithm is going to match you with someone. I mean, you you do have to choose it. And you have to go after it. Mm-hmm. You know, Ted, obviously, with in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. there's been an, I mean, a really complex tense environment yeah. for marriages and and I've always known you to have a pulse on marriage. I think it's part of just God's gift and calling on your life. But how does the, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, stay-at-home orders, self-quarantining and the recovery from all that what's the the effect on marriage? Yeah. Yeah, well there's a couple of things people need to be careful of. I have I've had churches and leaders from around the country concerned when they hear that domestic violence is on the rise. Well, it's like anything in life. This virus bumped into us, but what's coming out of us right now was not caused by the virus. I mean, it's just revealing what's already in us. And so, you know, so I looked at it in West Virginia, Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, churches that that contact me. And yeah, those call centers have received 30, 40% rise in in domestic violence cases, but those are from people who are already dealing with control, dealing with violence, or prone to it in their marriage. So I wanted couples to hear that early on in this, that being quarantined together doesn't mean you're going to turn into a violent couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But then on the other side of it, I want couples to understand, I've been encouraging couples, this is not a good time for you to make major decisions about your marriage. This is a time for you. You're, we're in war. This, what we've been going through has been compared to war. I don't, I don't think it's there yet. I think it's tragic what we've been going through. But I do believe couples can come out of this stronger. Amy and I, we've been through 9-11. We've been through the 2008 crash. We built a home in 2008. And, <laughs> and after spending 10 years of saving money, we poured it all into a home and lost it in a month. And that I learned from Gary Smalley, too. Buy high, sell low. Mm, that was our that's right. uh, secret to real estate <laughs> investing. And uh, But so we just, we live, and it's a key in, in this book, we live by, you know, in sports, we want a winner and a loser because that's what makes sports fun. Mm. But that's not what makes marriage fun. We're on the same team in marriage. So we don't want one spouse to be a winner and one to be a loser. So... I've been encouraging couples, go through the shutdown, go through unemployment, go through the loss of your business, like the two guys who are in, um, you know, a foxhole together in battle. And the reason 60 and 70 years later here in Branson, Missouri, we go into Cracker Barrel 
and see two buddies who went to war together still sitting down with their wives and they've been best friends all these years later is because they went through something tragic together. They fought for each other through Mm. it. They protected each other through it. They cared for each other through it. They had each other's back and they've been close their whole lives because of it. And so couples can emerge from this stronger, enjoying life more together. Uh, but, but couples calling me in crisis, wanting to end their marriage. And I'm, I'm telling them, this is, this is not the time, not at all the time to be making major decisions for your marriage. This is, you're, you're in the, the trauma portion of this. And we just need to get through this, learn the lessons. There's a lot of lessons we need to learn. We just don't need to learn all of them right now. We can, we can apply them later on. Hey, Jay, I, I know you and your bride well, and one, you know, I admire you for a thousand reasons, but one of the reasons I admire you so well is the balance you have in your life because you're a crazy successful professional in churches all over America and the world. They want you to come out and do you know, events and things, but you, 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 uh, you prioritize your wife and your family. I love that about mm-hmm. you. And so tell us just you know, in the last month or so, just a, a moment where you and your little bride, um, you know, the bullets were flying, and I know yeah. you have as much pressure on you as all of us, yeah. you know, laymen in the church do. Yeah. Uh, but was there a moment that you and her found a greater discovery of each other's, you know, beauty in the in the midst mm. of the battle? Well, so you know, you all here at camp have been experiencing this every bit as churches have been experienced the decision making process in such an uncertain time. So I, I joke, Amy walks me and the dog every night at sunset. That's kind of her thing. So you and the dog walk. Me and the dog. Like, like even coming here today, I brought y'all donuts. <laughs> I, I'll admit I'm snacking my way through the quarantine because it, <laughs> it, we're getting through it. Uh, it's one of my favorite lines at marriage events. Don't get a divorce, get a donut. All right. If you eat a donut, you'll, you will not fight. But almost every night was our planning time as a couple. We would sit there and work through every possible scenario for the church reopening, for us. Mm-hmm. I mean... And then we'd get on each other in a fun way. She'd ask me a question. I'd say, I don't know. Well, what do you think about that? I don't know. Well, what do you think about this? I don't know. Well, what do you know? I don't know anything. I mean, we just, that's, that's all. I don't know what and I know. I don't, we don't know anything. And then we'd come up with this brilliant plan, look at each other and laugh and be like, it probably ain't going to happen. So let's just move on. We don't know. Uh, so we've had a lot of fun because we're both very, um, we have the same personalities as far as our drive and ministry. And uh, and so she's a planner more than me, though. Mm-hmm. And this is killing her, not being able to make plans. Mm-hmm. And when we do make plans, they have to change or we get a new guideline or a new restriction. And truly, we've laughed our way through it. Mm-hmm. So we exaggerate arguments for fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of our thing to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the skills I put in the book. Improv is a great skill for couples to have in marriage. And Improv only works when you respond to everything said with yes and. Mm. So mm. when Amy will say something, mm, I just good. say yes and instead of most couples who go no, yeah. what yes and that's how yeah. you keep it going, keep it going and so we've been that's how we exaggerate our fights and it's a lot of fun. Well, what do you know? I don't know nothing. Like and so <laughs> there I'm sure there's people sometimes driving by or walking by go, "Man, they're mad at each other." No, we're just we're having fun. This is how we This is playful banter. This is playful, right? <laughs> So my takeaway from my question is just get a dog and then you and the dog run along. Yeah, we have to run along. And it's an hour, almost an hour every night, Joe, that she walks me. And she's a fast walker. 
Well, based off the size of the donuts you brought today, (laughs) you need to walk an hour. (laughs) I actually didn't get one. I just got one for you and Joe. That's great discipline. You know, this is hilarious. (laughs) I'm reminded of a quote that you had in your book. This is an amazing quote. I I suppose it's, or I I wrote down, it's from Henry Ward Beecher, but he said, a person without a sense of humor is like a wagon without springs. Jolted by every pebble in the road, good Mm -hmm. humor makes all things tolerable. You know, one of the many benefits of laughter, you know, that you pointed out was that humor helps us cope. Yeah. Uh, help us, you know, tease that out a little bit. How can we harness that benefit to help us as we walk through, you know, our current situation? Yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes uh, by a preacher. Because, uh, as Chuck Swindoll even said, uh, you know, humor is one of the most beautiful, beneficial therapies God ever gave humanity. Because... One, it humanizes us. It allows people to say, yeah, I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. I can, I can learn to laugh at myself. I can shake my head at myself before you do and say, and, and the shake of the head and the laugh is me just saying, I can't believe I just did that. Or I can't believe I just said that. Uh, to get through difficult times, to get through difficult seasons in marriage, to be able to lighten up on yourself and, and be able to say, you know what, I, I, I need to let that go. I've been holding on to that too tight. It's not as big of a deal. If I let that go and laugh that off. Now, there's an appropriate time for laughter and an inappropriate time for laughter. Hmm. Hmm. There's Tell appropriate laughter <laughs> and that. inappropriate yeah. laughter. Uh, you have to give the event and the laughter. There has to be a little bit of space between the two. So <laughs> one of my favorite stories is Amy making uh, Brussels sprout salad in the kitchen. And she, uh, she spent an hour in the kitchen dicing this up because like, that's what every party needs. We were going to a party at the church, and she was taking Brussels sprout salad. And I go, every party needs Brussels sprout salad. Imagine. She poured her heart and soul into this thing. And I had just purchased her something I saw on TV. I love the As Seen on TV stuff because it gets me every time. And we have a store in Branson called As Seen on TV. I went and bought those silicone lids that they're flat. If you've seen them, they come in the shape of a lily pad, of a flower. You know what I'm talking about? We get cabinet full of them, of course. Yeah, they're awesome. And you you put it on top of any bowl, you lay it on top, and it automatically suctions to it. And it's when you when you play with it a little bit, you're like, this is amazing. It's a brilliant invention. It's unspillable. Yeah, and and it forms a perfect seal. So I bought every size they sold down there at that (laughs) store. And brought home. After she spent an hour making this salad, she puts it in the in the bowl, oh, no. and I watch her put the lid on. It's her first time using the lid, and it's one of those like ceramic bowls. She puts the lid on, and I see her playing with it and testing it. And she, and I, Amy's not easily impressed, but I could tell she's like, "Wow, this really is slick." Like, because a lot of the as seen on TV stuff doesn't ever work like they show it on TV. Right. Like the guy that gets in a boat with the screen <laughs> yeah. door on it with the That's ceiling tough, on it. Man, that, I'm never tough. gonna try that. But I see her messing with it, and, and I'm, I don't say a word. She picks it up off the counter and starts walking over to the refrigerator. Uh-oh. And as she gets to the refrigerator, she looks at me, and she says exact words verbatim, this thing is amazing. No. And as soon as she said amazing, that bowl <laughs> separated from the lid, hit the ground, shattered, went everywhere. Uh-huh. It's on cabinets. It's all over the floor. 
She looks at me. She steps <laughs> over the salad, walks into the bedroom, which I I interpreted to mean Ted, you're cleaning this up. Mm, look, and I get down on the. I'm dying laughing though. You know, those are the moments where I am. This is one of the funniest. That Carson walks around the corner, and goes, "Dad, what happened here?" I'm going, "Come here, buddy. You're never. You're going to love this one." I tell him the story about 20 minutes later. So this is a callback now. Right. Amy's saying this thing is amazing. You want callbacks in your marriage? Forget conflict. Everything that's potential conflict. A callback is taking a punchline from earlier in the set and bringing it up off of a different story or premise later on, and it usually gets a bigger laugh. And I'm sitting there going, this thing is amazing. That's going to be the best callback I've had in marriage in a long time. And so we're, we have to go to the party, and we're going to have to go buy salad now at the grocery store. And uh, I get it, and I'm getting in the car, and I go, and I thought, this will get a laugh. She's going to think this is funny. And I go, this salad... It's amazing. <laughs> and again, I think 20, 30 minutes is enough time. That was a lot of time. To get the laugh. It was not enough Not enough time. time. Amy is in terms of days or weeks, not minutes or hours. But so there's an appropriate time and inappropriate time. And lean into your spouse's sense of humor. And give credit for attempts. That's why I tell couples. Let it try. Like somebody, like what's some low-hanging fruit to get your spouse to laugh? Dancing, singing. Shay, you do this all the time. But I know you're you're funny by nature too, but you don't go home and tell jokes to Ashley at night. That's not how it works. But every couple has a shared sense of humor, a different rhythm. It's not about becoming a comedian. It's about finding the appropriate time, appropriate humor. Amy and I don't slam each other. We're not crude. We don't make fun of each other, but that lighthearted banter, that finding our callbacks, that finding the time to do it, we've got more callbacks in our marriage. Uh, you know, her favorite callback with me, she knows I love those Andy's Candies mints. Again, everything's going to come back to it. You guys come back to sports at camp. I come back to snacks. Yep. <laughs> she knows those Andy's Candies. Well, she bought a bag of them, and she keeps them in her purse for when I do something good. That's true. Really? And whenever I do something it's good. It's like a Scooby she, snack. Yeah, she hands me one and, and and she'll hand it to me. And her favorite callback with me is, you know, you're such a good boy. Good job, Ted. <laughs> and see, that's that's our way. Now, when I write that in a book, I've had people tell me, that just feels demeaning. Well, again, words on a page can fall flat. <laughs> I I love it. Right, not I for you it. guys. So when I do something around the house, Joe, and Amy, another one of the callbacks that I love is she'll whenever she squeezes my bicep, <laughs> she doesn't have to say anything, and we both get a lot. That's our shared sense of humor together. She's saying, hey, the cabinet door, you need to screw that in a little bit stronger. And she just walks over while I'm drilling in a screw into the cupboard, and she'll walk over, and she'll just give two or three squeezes on the bicep. And that's, that's our That's it. Yeah. That's our way to find humor together. So do you bark when she gives you a little... I, I wag my tail okay. a little bit. I Not shake sure. my tail just a little bit. So Teddy, you're kind of country. So I mean, we're you know we're in the we're in Branson. Okay? Yeah, you know you uh -huh. you become more of a country. So I I thought that the salad you were going to kind of scoop it up in a dustpan no. and it has take glass it to the potluck. Well, except for the glass, <laughs> you could have. Yeah, she's still. But that's a great one now, though. I still these years later, this thing is amazing. She won't use those lids anymore, though. Those lids are wasted, and they were like, I think it was buy one for nineteen ninety five or four for a nickel. I can't remember how they sell them. But. That is that is a great callback, though. This thing is amazing. Classic. <laughs> um, Ted, so you you know you were talking about 
just how healthy it is to be able to laugh at yourself. You know, in order to be able to laugh at yourself, you have to have security and to feel yeah. safe with your partner. So right. as a spouse, give us some advice on how we can breed security in our spouse to to be able, you know, to laugh at ourselves and to feel safe with yeah, each other. Yeah, so the core principle, and we learned this from Gary, you know, 20 years ago, is safety. Safety, emotional safety. When When you feel safe with your spouse, you automatically open up. When you feel safe with your spouse, you're you're vulnerable. You're willing to laugh at yourself more. When you feel safe with your spouse, you can receive more criticism. There's nothing that's off the table. I mean, you can have conversation about anything. And so safety when it comes to laughter is knowing what the, you know, off-limits jokes are, or the off-limits. And it's going to be different for everybody. But um, I make a lot of humor about being the pudgy preacher, you know, and you hear me even do that from the front. Sure. But I don't recommend men ever do that with their wives. If you know what I'm saying? So it can, there, it can be different for each right. spouse. Um, we never want words to come out, you know, that we can't get back. So safety and honor go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I esteem Amy as highly valuable. Any joke or laugh or humor that we bring into our marriage for safety to be there, she just needs to know from me and what I say, what I do, even what she feels when she's around me is that she's esteemed as highly valuable. So allowing your spouse to kind of set the limits on the humor, very important, very important. And and again, early in marriage, newlyweds can struggle with this. And that's why I encourage newlyweds, give one another a lot of grace with this, make attempts and let the spouse know, hey, that's not really an issue for us to joke around about. That's not something... Um, you know, we all have in-law jokes, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, we have them in our marriage, but my in-laws are a part of them. They know it. I mean, the, my mom and dad know it, but there's nothing, I don't speak in a dishonoring way about my parents or even joke in a dishonoring way about my parents. And Amy doesn't to each other or in front of our kids. I mean, any joke we would make about mom or dad is a joke we make when they're with us. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, how that comes. So that's every couple needs to negotiate that and work through that. What's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Ted, I, you said something a minute ago that every person listening, whether, you know, you're a wife who considers yourself humorous or not or a husband mm-hmm. who'd. But, but uh, you, you talked about safety and I, I just got to hitchhike, Shay, because, you know, I know that there's some people listening uh to this wonderful podcast and and really don't feel safe in their relationship about anything either yeah. emotionally safe or physically safe but as far as emotional safety in the relationship talk talk to talk to me I, as a wife or as, as a husband who feels you know uh, completely unsafe in the relationship we cannot laugh we can't do anything together mm. uh how you know nine one one? How do we begin to create safety in our relationship? Yeah. So when so marital satisfaction, enjoying life together, it's a choice, not an outcome. So you start with the decision that we're going to enjoy life together. And and the key here is marital satisfaction is is built on factors and skills that couples can do something about in any season or stage of life. So if your marriage is in crisis. Getting to a place place of emotional safety and 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 uh, physical safety even requires that we we kind of move through the the drift issues and the drift issues would be uh, I'm blaming my spouse for how I'm feeling, acting, what I'm saying, what I'm doing. 
Um, I have a closed heart. And, you know, that closed heart, Gary's favorite line was unresolved anger is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to get sick. Uh, some of the, the ways you don't feel safe may have maybe an issue of the way you the condition of your heart, the way you've closed your heart, not necessarily something your spouse is saying or doing. So you have to understand that. So we blame others. We close our heart and then we isolate from others. We don't want other people in speaking truth or wisdom into our lives or into our marriage and, and if you don't deal with it at that level, the blame and the closed heart and the isolating from biblical truth, good voices in your life, this is when you move into the doubting the future and exploring other options. And to get back to a place of safety says, okay, honor, so important. If you don't feel safe right now, you more than likely feel worthless. But what you need to understand about honor, honor doesn't determine anyone's value. Uh, it doesn't set value. It just recognizes value. Hmm. So if I dishonor you right now, Joe, and I say something that dishonors you or do something that dishonors you, it does nothing about your value. I mean, your value is set. You're created in the image of God. You're a child of God. And I think when people don't feel safe, they, they they don't recognize or understand their own value. And so they allow people to treat them a certain way. They allow the attacks to come in. So to me, it always starts if you want to begin to build safety back into your marriage by, by recognizing value. And inappropriate humor can be a very dishonor. And over a period of time, someone can feel very low value. He makes fun of everything I do. He makes fun of everything I say. He makes fun of my body. He makes fun of my parents. He makes fun of my job. He makes fun of the way I drive. Hmm. Everything is a slam. And that has built into you. So you're feeling worthless. It's tied directly to your safety. And so you have to understand you have high value, someone worth caring for, someone worth being treated well, someone who is worth being safe, and then have that conversation and have that conversation with your spouse. But if if it's at that place where you are unsafe, that's when I encourage you to, to begin either seek it from a pastor, a coach, a counselor, therapist, someone that you can get with that will Remind, because there's no greater joy I have as a pastor than to meet with a couple, and I hear one or both spouses who feel worthless. There's just no greater joy than to remind someone of their value. You know, mm. when when they understand their value, you know, or you hear them say a lie about themselves, and you get to say, "I don't know who said that to you. I don't know how long you believed that, but it's not true." Let me tell you what is true about you, and then you just watch someone's worth go up, like their understanding of who they are. Then they can get to a place where they explain to people, hey, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to treat me that way. That's, that, that's not safety. I, I am more valuable than that. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and so, you know, you and I are saying and Shay's saying to every wife that's listening today, your husband deeply desires for you to honor and to value um, that your spouse a person and every mm-hmm. husband the same thing. Your wife deeply desires to have you value and respect her, even the words that come out of your spouse's mouth. Yep. Uh, husbands and wives, there, there, there is no greater place in the world 
better than your business, better than with your children. There's no better place in the world to show your sense of value and honor and respect than with your spouse. Yeah. Your spouse is hungry right now as you're listening to this for you to value and honor them. Even if you've been married 25 years, this is a great time to begin to build safety in your relationship. Yeah, and a practical way to do that, just list five reasons why your spouse is highly valuable. Start there, there and build there the list. Build the list from there. And uh, yeah, I, I not only have a list for my wife, I have a list for each of my kids, I have a list for my parents, I have a list for my in-laws. But don't just write the list, speak the words off of that list out loud to your spouse. And then even better than that, if you want to raise value and safety in your marriage, speak the words out loud to your spouse in front of your children. Wow. And it doesn't, yeah, there's no, Man, Ted, there's no is, better way to, to honor treasure someone. for marriage, incredible treasure. Yeah. And to the single wife, the single mom, the single husband, you know, by the grace of God, God steps in. Mm-hmm. And every time you hear husband or every time you hear wife, and I know this from friends of mine, my wife didn't have a dad, my mom didn't have a dad, but they felt highly valued because sure. God stepped in. They allowed God to be that value speaker in their life. I had a single parent actually at family camp this years and years ago when I was talking about this and I was applying it to parents. Like next time Mother's Day, Father's Day rolls around, uh, next time your mom or dad have a birthday, don't they don't listen, my parents are in their seventies. They don't want no more stuff, right? They don't bring don't bring anything physical. Bring the honor list. Hmm. And I had a lady oh, that came up great. to me and said, I can't think of one thing to say high value towards my mom. Hmm. Not one. And I said, Well you let me work on it with you this week. And she had a few. I said, do you understand? So any single parent listening, do you understand the value? If you can find someone who's been the most challenging individual in your life and you jot down a few reasons why they're highly valuable and then let your kids who have already seen, they've already heard, and children see everything, hear everything, forget nothing, and then they repeat. Imagine what that does to the heart of your child. Mm-hmm to hear their mom or to hear their dad speaking words of high value over someone who's maybe been a source of great pain uh, in your life. I'm not saying you're going to have a list of 30 reasons, but I think you can come up with three, four, five reasons why, even towards an ex-husband or an ex-wife or a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister. That's a marriage changer. It's a life changer. No doubt. (laughs) Ted, I want to pass one more question, one final question to you. At Woodland Hills Family Church, we say that every marriage is a duet, and and every duet needs background singers. Mm. Tell us about the origin of that concept and why background singers are important for marriages. Well, we're in Branson, Missouri, and uh, <laughs> showtime. Every every time I think of my favorite country music artist and all that, I I always I don't need to be the front of the stage singing at a country show, but man, I hope to one day do background vocals at the Grand Ole Opry. It's still a goal of mine. And you know what? We're working on it. It You got the pipes for it, bro. It may happen. It may happen. (laughs) I don't want to say anything, but Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin brothers have invited me to join them uh, for a song at the Grand Ole Opry the next time they're there, if we ever get to do live stuff again. (laughs) Uh, But so it was, they had its roots in Branson, just because like what fits Branson. So we're a live country music capital. But uh, a lot of people 
want to work on their marriage and they don't realize the voices that are speaking into their marriage is what's <laughs> taking them down a, a dark hole. So you, you know who the jaded coworker is that you shouldn't be seeking advice from at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that friend that that you get around to share your struggles with and they they just add to them. Uh, you need to you need to list out who all your background singers are. Every marriage is a duet and need a great backup singers. List the people who are speaking into your marriage right now. You can add to the list. Your spouse can add to the list. And then as a couple, decide which of these backup singers do we need to turn down Mm -hmm. or maybe mute altogether? And then which voices do we need to turn way up? And Shay, you and Ashley and Amy and I, we share background singers in Jill and David Jones. Mm -hmm. Great, great example of a backup singer. I I don't need a choir behind me. But I do need a few couples that that have full access into my life and into my marriage. Uh, before Gary went to be with the Lord, it was Gary and Norma Smalley, where they were obviously another backup singers to our duet. But you you need the voices. Uh, like I said earlier, when a marriage drifts away from marital satisfaction, you're you're isolating from others. I see this in the church all the time. Well, what happened to so and so? I haven't seen them in a while. Well, they don't they don't want to be told. <laughs> You know, they don't want help. They've made their decision to walk away or to pursue another relationship. And so they're stiff-arming us. A good backup singer is someone who will advocate for your marriage, not just a spouse. And this is where it gets tough. I tell mother-in-law, father-in-law all the time, if you want to be a great backup singer for your child, back up your child's duet, Mm. not just your child. And that's a tough one. That's huge. It's a tough one. Um but you know, we get around Jill and David, it's it's very unbiased. Let us hear what's going on. Very honest. Very honest. And we're going to just say it like we see it, mm-hmm. speak into it. And then we know they give biblical counsel. I mean, they're not they're not there just to tell us what we want to hear. They're there to tell us what we need to hear. And so every marriage needs great backup singers. And some of you right now, your, your duet is off key. Because you just got those one or two voices that are not harmonizing with you, and it's ugh, it's not good. They, you you need to find those who are going to advocate for both of you, not just one of you. Shay, can I just toss in, please? Uh, do. If, if you know if, if, this incredible advice, but just for the the wife or the husband or the couple that feels like there's really nobody in your life right now singing back up to mm. you in your own life your own happiness or sadness or your brokenness. Um, I'll, I'll just, for, for me individually, uh, Ted, and for me um, and, and as, a, as a husband trying to figure it out after 47 years, uh, this may sound really crazy, but, you know, David, um, I love David Jones. He's a, I'm talking about David the King sh- David. shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, he is the greatest back ground singer mm. for me a marriage could ever have you know when I'm feeling lonely or feel like our marriage bed is lonely or you know I, I just I pull out the you know the old psalms and I'll just start reading one out loud to to myself and to Debbie Joe and I've you know I've done it often through the years we've gone through the psalms several times not as a program mm. but just to have a backup singer who's always singing melodies mm. to marriage, to life, to emotional security, to, to 
the love to, and you know, my wife's spiritual gift is leave me alone. And, you know, so, <laughs> you know, I need, I need some help, you know, <laughs> but I found when I, when I start, you know, kind of reading the Psalms, she kind of moves over closer. <laughs> so say real quietly and then you'll get her. Right. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's always reliable. The word of God is always a great background singer. Mm. That's a great word of wisdom to end on, Joe. Ted, we want to thank you. I want Thanks you to know me. that we love you. We believe in you. We appreciate your ministry within our lives and within the Canuckuck family. Um, for those of you who need a good book to read to grow in marriage, A Love That Laughs, you guys can pick it up on Amazon or any bookstore near you. It is a great read. Um, and uh, we just... Thank you, Ted, for coming. And and if I may, I'd love to pray over the marriages out there, yeah, and we'll end with that. Father God, we just come to you, and uh, we lift up the husbands and wives out there, God, and and we just ask Jesus that you would protect them, that you would pull them together intimately, that uh, husband, wife, and the Lord would be a cord of three strands, which is not easily broken. We pray, God, that marriages would make decisions to move toward each other, toward enjoyment, towards commitment, towards laughter, um, and towards an intimate relationship with you. We pray a blessing over them of a godly heritage. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to marriage. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canicuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacook, you can visit canacook.com.